so why do we, because inevitably somebody that's kind of new to 12th or hasn't been here very long is like, why do we, um, what's this missions thing and why is it so important here and why do we hang these flags in the auditorium and why do we do this missions conference every year? Why do we talk about this so much? And I would say there's a lot of reasons, but perhaps the most important to me is something that John Piper said many, many years ago. Um, and here's what he said. Piper said, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Now, what's that mean? And I want to I try to play this out, fill this out for you. Um, in Psalm 48.1, David wrote this, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, His holy mountain. In the NLT, it says, how great is the Lord, how deserving of praise, how deserving of praise. Would you not agree with that, that He's worthy of our praise, that He is deserving of praise? Then Psalm 48.10 says something really interesting. It kind of shifts gears. It says, as your name deserves, O God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. You will be praised to the ends of the earth. This psalm was written by the sons of Korah, and this is almost like a prophetic utterance, or it's a, it's a statement of what will come in the future, but was not true at that point. Um, the fact that this psalm is saying is that God is deserving, deserving all praise to the ends of the earth, and the truth that one day that will be f- fulfilled, but it's yet to be fulfilled. Even today, that is not yet fulfilled. And so, you see, missions truly does exist because worship doesn't. I want to make the case a little more. In Psalm twenty-two twenty-seven, it says, The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to Him. All the families of the earth will bow down before Him. In the New American Standard, they will all worship before you. In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said this, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And we've talked about that before. It's the Greek word ethnos, and it means ethnic groups. Not nations like America, Japan, like that, but it's, it's, it's all the various ethnic groups, things like the Nobuno people in Quechua and the Tolaki, groups that we've been able to impact. Habakkuk 2.14 says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that word knowledge, we talk a lot about that. In Hebrew and Greek both, the word talks about an intimate relational experience. So it's, an ex- it's, a, it's a relational intimate experience of the glory of the Lord that the earth will be full of that one day. So as you can see, God is committed. He is committed to gathering of worshipers from all, all the peoples of the world. And Psalm 48.10, one day will come true. It will come true. There will ultimately be worshipers of all peoples. And we know this because in Revelation 7, 9 to 10, John says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, which is a way of giving worship. And they cried out in a loud voice, cried out in a loud voice in worship, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so I want you to know that the divine plan of God always has been, was and is, is that He will be worshipped by people of every group, ethnic group in the whole world, everywhere on the face of the earth, worshipped everywhere on the face of the earth. But the reality is, is that, that, is that worship of God, it's not fully global yet, right? Not yet fully global. While praise to God does resound in many places on the globe, there are still areas 
where there is no praise offered to him. According to the Joshua Project, there are 7,417 distinct ethnic linguistic people groups that have no viable gospel witness. And almost all of those are in the 1040 window. And until the time when his praise has been established among all peoples, it's our obligation to take the good news of Jesus to those places where God is not yet worshipped, to the places where he's not yet worshipped. Because you see, missions truly, this is the the ethnic group, 7,400, because truly, missions does exist. It, It exists because worship doesn't. And so therefore, here's what God's command is to us. In Psalm 96.3, declare his glory among the nations. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. Isaiah 12.4, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, his character. That's what name means. Proclaim his character, who he is. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Proclaim that his name is exalted. So we must work to see that God's mighty deeds, his love, his grace, his goodness... His glory are proclaimed in all the cultural groups all over the earth. That's what we're called to do. So that God's praise will reach to all nations, so to speak. Will reach to the ends of the earth. In John 4.23, Jesus says that God is actively seeking worshipers. Actively seeking worshipers. Seeking to be known and to love and to be worshipped by all peoples of the world. Now, that might kind of seem like an ego trip, right? What kind of ego trip is that, that he wants to be worshipped by all people? Um, But I want to try to explain how it's actually the opposite of an ego trip. The Bible says we were created by God and for God. We're created by him and for him. And we were created for a real and intimate relationship. And in the words of the Westminster Catechism, it says this, our purpose is to, that's the Isaiah, sorry, our purpose is to glorify God And what's the next one? Enjoy Him forever. Glorify God and enjoy Him together forever. And what I want you to see is that worship, the glorifying God, and joy, enjoying Him forever, that those things, they actually go together. They belong together. They're like two sides of the same coin. You cannot have enjoying God fully and and worship. You can't have one without the other. The things go together. Just the other day, Jordan and I were talking about dog breeds, about you know, when's he, is Kate, oh, Katie shouldn't hear this, like, well, we were talking about the current dog and, like, maybe a future, adding a future, adding a future dog, right? And he was talking about the breeds that he loved, and one of the breeds he loves is a hunting dog. And he said, but you know what? It would be a shame for us to get a hunting dog and never to use it for the purpose that it was created for, right? It would be a pity to never to have an animal and not let it live into the purpose that it was created for and the thing that actually brings it the greatest joy. Does that make sense? It's the same with us. If we look at that statement, it's the same with us. According to Psalm 16:11, the only place true joy is found is in the presence of God. It is in knowing him and loving him and serving him and yes, worshiping him. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. So for us to live a life of fullest joy, we need to come into that relationship with God where we just know him intimately. And that's why the Father sent Jesus into the world, is to, to, to bridge that gap between my sin and between God's holiness, to reconcile us to himself, to bring us back into relationship with himself, that father-child relationship, so that we can love and serve and, yes, worship him 
and thereby find our true joy in Him because worship and joy go together. They go together. That's why John, Jesus in John 10, 10 said, I've come to give life to the fullest. And in John 15, 11, I've come so that you, you can have complete joy because those things are only found truly and deeply in Him. Now, think about this. Once we have tasted the joy of knowing and loving and serving and worshiping God, once we've come into that relationship and we've tasted it, is it not natural that we want others to experience that? We want the people around us, we want family, friends to experience that, and we should want all the families and the peoples of the earth to experience the thing that we've experienced. So think about it this way. Whenever you find something of great beauty, and I'm going to tell you a story from yesterday, something worthy of praise, um, does it, it just, it automatically elicits in you this great joy and awe to see it, right? That's just naturally what it elicits in you. And the first thing that you do when you see something beautiful is you have this sense of like, of like, you know, wow, or ooh, or ah, and then the next thing you want to do is you want to share that thing with other people who are around you. Is that not right? So yesterday, we were in the Flint Hills, took, out, took some, some people from the body, and some of the missionaries went out, and we were out in the Flint Hills, and they had not been out there. And as we saw different things, you could see the, 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 from the beauty of that, people being like, you know, oh, or wow, or pulling out their camera to take a picture. We came upon some wild sumac that was a little off in the distance, bright red, really beautiful, and everybody's like, wow. And the first person that sees it, I don't remember who it was, but you grab the person next to you, or you stop the group, and you go, look at that, right? You point them towards the beauty because you want to share it. I mean, the mountains, when you're in Colorado, anytime you you turn a corner and you get this beautiful vista view that maybe you as the driver see first, you'll say, maybe there's stuff going on in the car, and you're like, hey, everybody stop, look at that, and then everybody looks, and they're like, wow, right? When you see a sunset, I mean, it happens here, maybe I'll be going home at the end of the day, or sometimes Ariel will send me a text, we'll like back and forth in the family, like, have you seen the sunset? Go outside and take a look, because it's amazing, because we share what is beautiful and praiseworthy. I mean, it's that way with the night sky, with rainbows, Um, because you want to invite people into the joy of the beauty that you see. Is that not right? You want to invite them into the joy of the beauty you see, and that's why missions exist, because worship doesn't, because worship doesn't. True and full worship does not yet ascend to God, the creator of the universe, from all the peoples of the earth. Therefore, we care about that. We care about that for His sake because He deserves it, and we care about it for the sake of other people because what we know is, and what we, um, what we know from our experience is, is that true joy comes in that connection of knowing God and loving Him and having a relationship and seeing the, how praiseworthy and beautiful He is and connecting with Him and then the joy that flows out of that. We've had that experience and that's something we want other people to do. And God, we learned last week, has appointed us as His ambassadors. He's appointed us to that task, to take the good news of who Jesus is so people can glorify and worship Him and come to fully enjoy Him. That's why we, that's what we're here for, Right? Mission, somebody has said, is joining God. I love this statement. It's joining God in His passion to love the nations. Joining God in His passion to love the nations by offering Himself to them for the overflowing joy of their praise. Isn't that powerful? So, 12th, worship is one of the primary goals of missions. 
It's one of the primary goals of missions. And for the sake of worship all over the world, that's why we do missions. Because missions exist because worship doesn't. And the two go together, and that's why we're doing this. And that's why we will always emphasize, as long as I'm here, this this God's mission to the nations because we want people to come to know Him and glorify Him and find the true joy and enjoyment that they can only find in their Creator, the one they're created for. Um, I mean, is not the spread of the good news of Jesus, is that not the most important thing? Is, not that, is that not the one thing we should most be about? Would you not agree with that? The one thing. And it's so easy for us to get distracted by little things, petty things, other things going on, and we forget that like the most important thing is, is are we walking with God and glorifying Him, and are we wanting other people to experience the joy that we've experienced in Him? So I love the missions conference because it calls us back, I think, to the most important thing. So let us be people who are focused on the main thing and not on small side things, okay? Let's be focused on the main thing. This whole spread of the gospel, in the last few weeks, we've done two funerals, and we had the baptism a few weeks ago. Remember the baptism? And at all three of those, I was, to the best of my ability, for the glory and for my love of God, was just was sharing the gospel. We have, in those three events, 27 individuals who were hungry and did not know about eternity took gospel tracts. 27 individuals at two funerals and at the baptism. Is that not amazing? Because that, that's God's work. That's what He's doing. And that's what we're to be about. That's what matters more than anything. So, as long as there isn't full worship, missions will continue to exist. And as long as there isn't full worship, we will continue to work for it because we long to see God receive the glory that He deserves and we long for people to find their true joy in Him, the kind of life that only flows from the Father. So, missions really does exist. It really does exist because worship doesn't. That's one of the main goals of missions is we want to see his praise among all peoples. So that's why part of the reason we do the missions conference and that's why every year we ask for some kind of a commitment. Jason was just talking about this. So if you would just take a minute, you should have gotten this card on the way in. We gave this out last week and I just want to briefly hit what this is asking us to do. On the back side, if you would pull that out, are a list of some practices. And here's the whole point of those practices. The point of those practices is to grow my heart for the nations, that if my heart and my passion isn't for all people to praise God and have enjoyment in Him, then I've got to grow my heart in that area. And so there's four ways you can do that, and we challenge you to, we can actually do all of these, but we really challenge you to pick one of these, like I'm going to be doing that to grow my heart. One is prayer. It's praying for the one of the church's missionary families. On the way out, we've got the tree. You can grab one of these. Keep it in your Bible. Somebody that you're focused on. Um, it could be praying for the nations and missions. We've got at the bottom, there's a list of some phone apps that you can use um, to help you in your prayer for the nations. So prayer is one. Community is another. It's saying that, you know what, I'm in a small group, and our small group is going to have a focus on, the, on God's mission to the nations in some way. Um, it could be praying for the one, adopting a family in your small group that you pray for, that you connect with sometimes. It could be an adopting an unreached people group to pray for. Again, one of those apps um, is really helpful with that, the Joshua Project app. Simplicity is a practice where I choose to give something up 
so that I can put more of my resources into what God's doing among the nations. So maybe I give up my Starbucks coffee or I give up my subscription to Netflix, something that I'm willing to, to live a little more simply so I can put more to what God's doing. And the final one is learning, keeping myself informed on God's mission to the nations. Um, reading a missionary biography, we've got a number of them up here. That's a powerful way to do, reading a book on missions or utilizing one of the mission prayer apps. Again, they're at the bottom of the card, so that, that um, simplicity and then that learning, and I'm not keeping up very well, am I? Finally, on the front, our commitments, and maybe this is the most important. Maybe this is the most important. Um, what we're asking, and we ask every year, is for all of us to say, I'm in with God's mission, in one way at least. Maybe it's more than one, but I'm going to be in. I'm going to be involved. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. And there's four ways you can do that. The first is going. Um, it can be going with the Mexico trip, saying, I'm finally, I've been afraid of that. I'm finally going to do that. I'm finally going to serve at Camp Comcito. I'm going to step into something that I've not done before, maybe a fear, whatever, but I'm going to do it. It could be that somebody here, God has, has been leaning on you about actually giving your life vocationally to take the good news to, to another people. So going is one. Welcoming is another. God has brought the nations here. I mean, I worked with them for 29 years, trying to bless them with the love of God, the international students. And in the summers, they're needing conversation partners, somebody to just sit with them once a week, Thanksgiving time to have a student over to their home because it's really lonely in the dormitory. So maybe you're like, well, I, can do some, I can be a welcoming person. It's a little fearful, but I can step into that. Sending is the third one. That's a big one. Um, it's being a part of sending and supporting people. One is by giving to the church's mission budget, and we ask that every year. Somebody was asking me, like, I don't see the normal, like, commitment to giving card that we do. This is kind of taking its place. We have a place on there, and we ask that all of you would pray and put an amount on that and commit to giving towards our missions. The church has been great, and that you would just simply follow through on that. So, Keep praying through. We encourage you to keep giving. The other way is to adopt one of the church's missionaries' families. Again, on the way out on a tree, grab one of these and say, I'm not just going to pray for them. I'm going to write them notes occasionally, maybe send a prayer package so that they feel loved and cared for. And then finally is mobilizing. And mobilizing is in two parts. One, it could be like, I'm going to be part of that missions team. I care about this, and I want to be a part of helping our church advance in that, so I'm going to join that team. So that's a way. Or... As a parent saying, I want to teach my children about God's heart for the nation, so this is going to become a regular emphasis in my home, at the supper table or at night when we pray or read the Bible. We're going to read a missionary Bible. We're going to do something to help bring that. So here is my challenge for you is that you would pick a practice to grow your heart for what God's doing among the nations, but especially that we're all involved in what God's doing, Okay. And so it's asking the question, it may be more than one, but at least one that all of us are saying, I'm going to go, maybe for the first time. Or I'm going to be somebody that welcomes. I'm going to welcome the nations that are here. Or it could be, I'm going to be a sender. I've never given to, this, to the missions budget. Maybe I've given to the church, but I've never put part of it towards that, that I'm going to start giving. Or maybe I need to increase my giving. Or it's sending by, I want to adopt a family to where I'm not just praying for them, but trying to connect and get to know them and encourage them or maybe it's mobilizing I want to be part of the church's mission team or I want I want my children to grow up I want my children to grow up like Angela 
having a heart for God's commitment to the nations. And so I'm going to mobilize my family. I may not mobilize anybody else. But if I mobilize my family, can you imagine the difference that would make? So can we, I just want to take a minute. Would you just take a minute quietly? I just want you to talk to God. Like, what of these commitments... If he's tapping on the shoulder, if there were to be one, maybe it's two, but if there's one, what's the commitment he's asking you to make? And then what's a practice you can implement to grow your heart for the nations? Just take a minute and do that. we want to respond to your heart because you are seeking people to actively worship you and there are places all over the world where that's not happening and we want to be a part of of taking your good news to the nations Um, and we long for that day when we'll be with people from every tongue every tribe every nation um, praising and worshiping you and enjoying you together forever so I just pray that you would speak to all of us and help us to, to be taking actual intentional steps to be a part of what you're doing. Pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. And one quick thing, if you don't mind. Um, I think just looking at this and saying something is one thing. I think actually checking a box is another thing. It helps me when I, like, mark something. I'm going to do this one, and this is how much I'm going to give this year, and you write that in. Um, that just helps solidify it. So I really challenge you, don't just take this home, but take it home and mark on here, what are you going to do to grow your heart for the nations and to be involved? So, all right, let's worship. We're going to close out our time of missions with the song, The The Commission, which was chosen as a theme song because really it's the words of Jesus speaking to us and calling us into that. And you can choose how you want to do that, whether it's letting those words wash over you or joining us in singing this morning.
you did for us and that you call us into that with you that we get to be a part of it and just help us to have a passion for doing that in your name in Jesus name amen um yeah missions exist because what does not yeah praise so hey it is a sovereignty of God that the chiefs are not playing a football game right now okay they don't play till later this afternoon. God knew at 12 that he wanted to free you guys up to have time to go visit some of the missionary booths and talk to them. So I really challenge you, hang around, go talk to some of them, meet them, get some of their material, um, pray with them. Um, I challenge you to do that. If you don't have the prayer book that has all our missionaries in it, there's some up here at the resource table. There's missionary biographies. Grab one of these off a tree on your way out of a family you're going to pray for and you're going to email and and try to give support to. Um, and then one final thing on the way out, there's a suitcase back there with little pieces of like luggage kind of, and that's just to be a reminder to put it somewhere on a desk or something to, to, to have a heart for the nations and it's a reminder of the commitment you made today to keep up with that. So grab one of those, grab both of those things on the way out. So, all right, 12th. Um, hasn't it been exciting to hear what God's doing among the nations? So exciting, so um, yeah. Kathy, let's, Kathy's doing one of these, because it's a yay God, right? It's very much a yay God. Praise to him. So, 
All right, 12th, we've got, we've got a mission to live on. So um, you are sent first to some of the tables, grab some stuff, and then head home. So, all right, 12th, you're sent.